And we're on. This is the Let's Talk Cheer podcast, and I'm your host, Jason Larkin. Where we talk cheer, we talk life, and we talk whatever comes to mind. Five, six, seven, eight. Let's get started. Turn it up, you tune in into Let's Talk Cheer with Jason Larkin. We're talking cheer, we're talking like you know we're always talking. So listen up, you boy, about to go all in. Five, six, seven, eight, we're on. Let's begin. This is episode number seven. Not sure if there's going to be an episode eight, but thank you for joining. In today's episode, we're talking about the most stressful time of the season. And being that we just had tryouts, it is fresh on my mind. More than practices, more than showcase, more than any single competition, tryout is hands down the most stressful part of the year. Two things. First, our whole year as a business, right? Like how many people do we have paying tuition? That is basically defined at tryouts. And then second, as a competitive program, that is defined at tryouts. Are we going to be able to put together competitive teams that can go out and actually win competitions now it's easy to put together one team that is good in the gym but it's a different challenge to put together teams from top to bottom that are going to go out and you know be a good representation of the program and like i said both of those things are both primarily based on the athletes that show up to tryouts and then our ability to place them on the correct teams and if either one of those things take a wrong turn you deal with it for the rest of the year, not to mention they have an impact on each other. So if one is going in the wrong direction, usually the second will be joining there shortly. And that's just those two things. It's not even to talk about the emotional roller coaster that you go on when having to put together teams and wondering, you know, is this kid going to come back? Or what's going to happen? Or is she going to quit because her friend's going to quit? And And, you know, what's this mom going to say? All of those things happen at tryouts. And so the stress level is real. Now, the easiest year to pick teams for me was our first year at American, which then quickly turned into our most stressful year. But we'll talk about that a little later. But as far as team placements are concerned, it was hands down the easiest. Uh, Since it was my first year, I had zero emotional attachments to any of the athletes. I didn't have any subliminal messages planted in my head from parents and the staff we had at the time they were actually pretty excited to finally recorrect the leveling of athletes so athletes came in they showed off their skills for a couple days we wrote those skills on paper and to me athletes were just a piece of paper not a real life person with a heartbreaking backstory that you wanted to see a happy ending to they were just a piece of paper they were skills and they were ages Does she have a round of answering tuck? Awesome, she made level three. Does she have a round of answering full? Great, she made level five. And every other year, you know, when we compare that, you get emotionally attached to each kid's story. You see Susie in the gym every day, taking privates, extra classes, trying to get that back handspring, and you want it so bad for her. But that's what makes tryouts hard because we as coaches are humans. We're not robots and we want to make decisions with our hearts and we constantly have to remind ourselves to make decisions with our head. But let me tell you why that quickly became the most stressful tryout process. So that year, we picked teams in like an hour, maybe even 30 minutes. It was like super quick when we picked teams. We talked more about 
team names than we did actual team placements. And so we get all the teams together. Everyone's ready to go. We have team names and we sent out the team list via email. And in that email, we say something to the effect of don't complain about your kids placement until tomorrow. And we say it a little bit nicer than that, but that's basically like what it says. And guys, I am not kidding you when I say that at midnight, my inbox filled with complaints, filled with complaints. And then I woke up the next morning and I have some ridiculous amount of emails sitting in my inbox and I do not know what to do with this many complaints. Okay, I'm new. I've never been really in this situation before. And so I'm going through all these different emotions and I'm stuck between telling every parent to go fly a kite or should I address, you know, every single one of them and be the good guy. So I figured I'll call a few gym owners and just see how they deal with the situation, see if I can glean any advice. So I call one gym owner who I'm very displeased with her advice. So I will not let you know who it was, but I was very, I'm very disappointed in you, gym owner. You know who you are. So I call her and she's like, Jason, during times like this, you just have to trust in your heart. And I'm like, my heart? I can't trust my heart during a time like this. I need wisdom, not emotions. So I call another gym owner who was a lot more helpful. And I'll tell you exactly what he said. He said, Jason, when we first opened our gym, we would have met with every parent because it's important to get that one-on-one face-to-face time when you start out. So that's what we did. We had a few days before we were starting practices. So we scheduled back-to-back meetings from open to close. And then after that, I feel like the rumor got out that I was accepting meetings with everyone. So emails just kept rolling in. And we had back-to-back meetings for a few days straight. But that advice ended up being more valuable than I thought because I didn't know anyone. I was brand new at the program and those meetings truly introduced me to a large portion of our families. I was able to get to know our parents, know who their kids were. Parents were able to talk to me one-on-one. It really was a blessing building relationships going through all those meetings. But, you know, actually at the time, going through those meetings definitely were not fun. And I remember... The first day, we scheduled the meetings straight through, back-to-back, no lunch breaks, no snack breaks. And as a coach, it's like Groundhog's Day because you're literally having the same conversation every 30 minutes. It's the same exact complaint, just coming from a different family, which is a little wearing. And I remember like snapping at a parent, which is very unlike me during one of those meetings or really in any situation. But I had actually lost my patience and I never actually lose my like patience level like zero. Like, you know, I'll yell at kids at practice, but it's usually a show because I know some kids only respond when they're being yelled at or I have to actually raise my voice. But again, it's actually it's very rare that I've actually run out of patience. But happened in one of these meetings and I like I caught myself and I couldn't believe that actually snapped at this parent, I'd realize, oh my God, I'm like hangry right now. Like I have not eaten all day. So for the sake of all future meetings, I started the rest of the meetings that day late just so I can grab something to snack on. But I like couldn't believe that actually got to a point where I was worn down emotionally. And the crazy thing about that year is where those complaints came from. The year before we got to American, American had a junior four. 
and a few of those kids made the world's team, but most of those kids ended up on one of our level three teams. So I assume that's where a majority of our complaints were actually going to come from, which is a legitimate complaint. I completely understand why a family or athlete would feel like they were taking a step back. But instead of getting a bunch of people complaining about that, which we didn't have a single one, by the way, our biggest complaint, and I'm not exaggerating this, came from tiny moms complaining that we weren't having a mini team that season. I know that every coach listening just felt my pain. And there's nothing that makes you feel like you're taking crazy pills more than when a parent complains about the age group their kid makes. I get it when a parent says, you know, my daughter's been on level one for six years. She can't do level one again. Now, when that happens, I feel for the kid. I really do. I know you want to move on. You want to do new stunts. You want to throw baskets. You want to do all these things. You know, daughter still doesn't have a back handspring, but I at least get that. You know, I get that. But I have zero sympathy for kids who want to move age groups. Zero. Like literally zero. You make a junior one, but you wanted a senior one. You made a youth two, but you wanted a junior two. Guys, give me a break. And I'm not speaking, I'm not going to speak for any other program right now. I am going to speak for American though, or any place, you know, I happen to be at. You should expect to be on the youngest age group possible. And if you make a higher age group, you need to realize that that is an exception. Say it louder for the people in the back. If you make a higher age group, You need to realize that that is an exception, not the rule. Now, we at American, and most gyms aren't this big, you know, let alone us, but we're simply, you know, not big enough as a gym to offer every age group at every level. So every year, there's going to be multiple exceptions across the entire gym. But nonetheless, if your athlete is 10 years old on a junior team, that's an exception. And you shouldn't be upset when she's on a youth team the next season. If your daughter's 12 years old on a senior team, that's an exception. And you shouldn't be upset when she's on a junior team the next season, right? You know, if we're going level to level, not saying she was on a senior two and now she's on a junior one. I'm just talking about if you're on a senior one, now you're on a junior one. You're on a senior three, now you're on a junior three, right? Shouldn't be upset. Now, there's a lot of moving pieces every year when placing teams together. So exceptions are literally going to happen, you know, every year on every team. But I feel parents look at the exception and then expect that the rule, that same rule, right, that exception should be applied to their child every year, which is, you know, it's a sweet, it's a nice idea. But if our program or any other program builds their teams based off exceptions, no one is going to be happy at the end of the season. And I can, you know, I can go on. I can talk about this subject for days. We will cover this in another episode, but I just had to throw out my two cents on that real quick. So what makes tryouts stressful? Well, like I mentioned in the beginning, the financial component is always in the back of your mind, trying to figure out a way to keep every athlete in the program that you can. It's always floating around in the back of your mind. You know, how are people actually going to react to these team placement that's always there and then the pressure of actually putting together competent teams and the hard part about those things are is that they're sometimes competing against each other a lot of times they are competing against each other right you know the best decision for the program you know financially is to put this athlete on this team right 
but um, that's not the best thing for the actual team to be competitive. Or the best thing for the team to be competitive is not going to be the best thing for the for the program financially. So a lot of times those things, and you know, there's always going to be reactions either way, no matter what happens. But all those things, you know, are in the air, and you're trying to figure them out. The other thing is being on the same page as all the coaches that you're putting the teams together with. Now, at American, I've picked teams with two different sets of coaches, the coaches that we basically have right now and then the coaches that we had when we first got here. At CBU, Tammy and I picked the teams, and at PCM, there were probably about three different groups that I've been a part of that picked teams. So this is the totality of all of these groups, and I imagine it's the same dynamic across the country but when you're with other coaches you have to be careful about their motives and not really their motives but their attachments and emotions you have to be careful about your own attachments and emotions you know like it's time to put together a level three team and the level two coach is recommending all of their kids they swear that every kid they coached last year is ready to move up and you're thinking didn't you take her back handspring out of the routine last year it's like yeah 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 but you know she's a sweetheart and i just can't coach her anymore right so I remember when I coached Restricted 5 back in the day and getting in legit arguments about the kids that I coach, right? Like, I coach Susie all year long. If you don't put her on the world's team, you're making a huge mistake. Like, I, I legit remember saying things like that. The other thing to be aware of is coaches holding back their true opinions. Now, this is a story I tell every year before we put teams together. Now, my first two years at PCM, I had nothing to do with team placements but eventually I proved myself enough to be in the room when the teams got put together and the owners were putting together the world's team and they let us you know other coaches start putting together the lower level teams and so it was shaping out that we were going to have a restricted five and a senior three that year but not a senior four so there are obvious you know senior level three kids and then there are obvious restricted five kids but then there were a few kids who were on level four the year before, and they were like those tweener, you know, three, four kids. Uh, you know, they had some level four skills, it's some level three skills, but who end up making the level four because, right, they need to fill numbers and those types of things. Now, in my opinion, we're not ready for level five. Anyway, so a couple other coaches come up to me and they go, hey, Jason, you know, what are your thoughts on these three kids? Should they be on level five or should they be on level three? And I told him flat out, um, level three, those kids definitely are not ready for a level five. But, you know, one coach argues and stands up for her kids and she's like, you know, all of her friends are moving up, you know, all this and that. And I distinctly remember, like, you know, I want to you know, be confrontational. And so I distinctly remember thinking, you know, I won't be coaching those kids or, you know, that team. So this is not my problem. Right. And so I go, yeah, yeah, sure. Put them on the level five team. Little did I know that our owner had plans of me coaching their restricted five team that season. So it ended, up, it ended up being my problem. So if I had known that I was coaching restricted five that year, believe me, those kids would not have made that team. But the point is you want to make sure you're on the same page with everyone in the room because you never know when someone's overselling you or underselling you for any particular reason. Now, parents, it's time for me to talk to you guys for a bit. Coaches, get ready to hit that share button. But before we get into that, do me a favor, hit the subscribe button, leave a five-star rating, even 
leave a nice little review. Those little actions help out the show a ton, and it would mean a lot to me if you did so. But anyway, parents, when it comes to tryouts, I know that this is a stressful time for you as well, but you have got to stop fueling the fire, and you've got to start having honest conversations with your children about their expectation. Now, quick story. 2003 NCA All-Star Nationals, we dropped a stunt and lost to Cheer Athletic Wildcats. Well, actually, we hadn't lost yet. We had dropped, they had hit, and we were waiting for awards. So as we were waiting for awards, we are just crying and crying and crying. And our coach eventually comes over to us and does like the normal like coach thing. Hey guys, you know, you didn't hit, but you tried your best. You know, I'm proud of you guys. It was a great routine. There's nothing to be sad about, but we're devastated, right? And and I remember my boy Chester, right, my best friend at the time, he spoke up and said something like, hey guys, you know, second place isn't bad. We should be proud. And our coach with the quickness was like, hey, 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 don't expect second place, right? Don't expect second place. And I remember she saying, you know, uh, top five, definitely, but second place is out of the question with a drop at this time. When she told us that second place was out of the question, it tempered our expectations before we walked onto the stage for awards. Now, can you imagine in an effort to cheer us up if she would have said, hey guys, I I really think you guys can, can still win this thing, you know, and she was our coach, so we would have believed her. But when we didn't end up winning right we end up getting second place when but when she tells us hey guys i think you guys can still win when we end up getting second we are devastated it adds more fuel to the fire but instead she said hey guys we should not expect second place that is not a reality for us or a realistic expectation for us at this time right so we go up there just hoping for the best but expecting the worst and when we got second it ended up being a treat, right? And just that little thing that she did about tempering our expectation. However, I see parents add fuel to the fire way too often. An athlete can throw a standing back handspring and for running tumbling can throw round off two back handsprings, right? Your basic level two tryout skills. And then the mom will ask the athlete, hey, so what level do you want to make this season? And her reply, you know, little girl goes, I'm really hoping to make level three this season. And instead of mom saying, Oh, I thought you needed to have a tuck to be on level three. Mom says, oh, honey, I hope you make level three this season too. Parents, you're adding fuel to the fire. You know, I never let our athletes head to the award ceremony without some temperance from me. Now, if they have a mistake in the routine, I definitely let them know not to expect to win. If I know that another team was really good in the division, I let them know like, hey, that team was really good. We'll see how the judges placed, but that team was really good. So don't go up there expecting the win. Even when we hit and I know we're going to win, like I know 100% we're going to win, I at the very least will say, hey, ladies, gentlemen, win and lose with class. Hope for the best, but expect the worst. Anything can happen when you guys are up there. But parents, when you know what your kids' goals are for the next season and you know for a fact that they don't have the skills that the coaches are looking for to make that team and you don't say anything about them probably not making that level you're doing your kid a disservice and if you don't know what it takes to actually level up ask your coaches and try to get in front of this thing so if you're an american parent you can 100 ask me and i'll let you know 
what we are looking for at every level and what I'm looking for from your particular athlete. And I'm sure if you're a part of another gym, your owners and coaches will do the same thing for you. But if I bring you back to that first season at American, when I had to sit through all of those angry meetings all day long, I knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that I did not want to do that Again, so I tried my best, and still to this current day, try my best to get out in front of those meetings. Because as a coach, you can start to predict about 90% of the potential problems that you're going to have. An athlete's been on level one for a few years, finally gets something that someone somewhere considers a back handspring, like literally the week of tryouts, and you decide, you know, she's still not ready for level two. That is a meeting and an angry email waiting to happen. You can see it from a mile away. So instead of waiting for that angry email, I started picking up the phone and calling parents before we sent out the list. Hey, Mrs. Susie, uh, little Susie isn't going to make the level two team this season. And I just wanted to let you know why. That one action has done wonder. So parents, my suggestion to you It's to do the same. Get out in front of this thing. Next year, when your child has their standing back handspring and their round off two back handsprings, right? Their standard level two tryout skills. Maybe the conversations, it sounds more like this. So, hey, so Susie, what level do you want to make this next season? Oh, I'm really hoping to make level three this season. Instead of saying, I hope you do too, you can say, awesome. How about we talk to your coaches and see what skills she's looking for so you can move up this next season. But that's just my opinion on cheer, life, and whatever comes to mind. Five, six, seven, eight, we're out. Hey guys, I really hope you enjoyed today's show. Do me a quick favor, hit that subscribe button and let your friends know about this podcast. It's a great way for you to show your support for the channel. I'm your host, Jason Larkins, and you've reached the end of Let's Talk Cheer with Jason. Thanks for listening.